Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is good, Buckeye Nation? Wow, I just copied your intro and I did not even mean to. Uh, this is how this is how often we record together. Um, but honestly, though, what's up, Buckeye Nation? Uh, I don't know how y'all are feeling, but I am stressed uh, after that game. You know, as always, it's uh, your host, Jordan Williams, and my co-host, Christopher Rennie, as we break down the Ohio State game. This game was, this recap was almost really ugly. I uh, can't promise it's going to be great, but at least there's a positive ending. And that, that is about all I can say right now um, as you welcome in Chris. Chris, how are you? How, how are you? How are your emotions right now? And as always, what are your, your first initial thoughts about this game? Uh, yeah, uh, I think you nailed it, Jordan. I think this game was extremely stressful and it was unnecessarily stressful because if Ohio State could just convert some more touchdowns in the red zone, this game's 100% different and the outcome we're talking about is 100% different. You know, it's a ranked game. Uh, we talked about this pre-show and it was something we kind of overlooked on Buck Off on Friday, but Penn State, you know, three straight losses. They were playing for their season. And I think you've got to take that into consideration with how tough Penn State came out and played. But overall, I think you just have to take this win, like, you know, the old college basketball mantra, survive in advance, take the good things and the bad things. Uh, Ohio State had 10 penalties for 74 yards. Uh, It felt like there was a false start every time. And then two or three plays later, there was another false start. So uh, it was one of those games where you're happy the team escaped with a win, but you're also a little disappointed and a little frustrated, I think is the right word, because they just kept giving Penn State opportunity. Yeah, I mean, I think you you said it perfectly. Uh, you're happy they escape with a win. You're frustrated. If you really, really want to, you could find some positives in this, you know, Um 
a lot of times when you have a team that wins a conference championship or a national championship, you look back to that tough game and you convince yourself like, hey, without that tough game, you know, they really got some metal there. They really they really learned from it. And maybe that's what we'll say in a couple of weeks. But uh, immediately after the game, that's not really how I'm feeling. Honestly, like my my feeling is just relieved um, for multiple reasons, like. This is a team, as we, we've talked about before, that we think has the recipe to win a national championship. This is a team that we felt should win the rest of the Big Ten. And, and, I, and I, I haven't changed my opinion on that because it's Penn State and literally the best thing James Franklin has ever done as Penn State's head coach is play Ohio State tough. Like he hasn't done anything else. Like Even forget the Big Ten championship. The best thing that he's done in eight appearances against Ohio State is play them tougher than anybody else nationally. Like that is his Penn State legacy. Um, and so it's like, you know, we get the win, you're relieved. Uh, like you said, a little frustrated, but at the end of the day, you, I think you, at least myself, I'm just trying to chalk it up to, hey, it was Penn State. There's, I'm not taking no referendums of the rest of the season. I'm not being negative and saying we're not going to be able to score touchdowns in the red zone and we can't run the ball or any of that other kind of stuff. It's Penn State and just the 24-hour rule. All Every athlete knows that. Whatever emotion you feel, 24 hours, you move on to the next week. That's, that's where I'm at on this yeah, podcast. 100%. Yeah, I think, you know, it sucks because – you know, Ohio State threw out this huge vibe. You know, the fans actually showed out. So I, I need to give a nice gratitude to the fans for actually showing up wearing scarlet. It looked phenomenal. Like, the lights in the stadium turned the sky red, like when they were starting the game and doing the entry. So it was electric. But that was that was beautiful. Definitely. I, I want to mention that, too. And then they used the red, the scarlet fireworks. I mean, it was incredible. I think me and you, you know, we can take a little bit of um, we credit for that. We bullied you, know? you guys on four consecutive podcasts <laughs> about this, so uh, I think I think we could get a little credit. But yeah, I think it's similar to Penn State's whiteout game, where you know, just because like you're bringing all the energy, it kind of makes the opponents be like, you know what, they have this respect for us that this is a ma- massive game for them. Like this is a massive game yeah. for them. They're hosting us. They're making this super special thing for us. We got to go and slap them in the mouth so we can kind of take the air out of the stadium. And the air never left the stadium. I just think Penn State's experience yeah. really benefited them. Yeah, who who did that to Wisconsin? Because Wisconsin is jumping around, right? Yeah. Who was it? Who, was, it Mich- was it Michigan? Did Michigan play Wisconsin and win? Let's pull it up. They did. Yeah. They did. It was Michigan. Um, Michigan's players were jumping around during jump around, and, and Jim Harbaugh and them were basically saying, like, we were feeding off that energy. Like, they were doing that for us. Like, we weren't going to take that as a negative. And literally, there's, there was videos of it. Michigan's players literally jumping around. Like, they like they, like jump around was their tradition. Yeah. Uh, and they won, they won that game. So, I don't think that game was in question in the third quarter when it happened. But still, just like – to your point, you know, teams take that momentum and, and you can feed off, you know, especially if you're mentally tough, you can feed off negative energy. Like it was a bunch of negative energy for Penn State, but you can feed off of that. And they did. Yeah, no, I mean, there's like, you know, when you're an offensive player or a defensive player and you make a big play at home, that electricity from the crowd getting loud is counteracted when the opposing team makes a play and it goes dead silent in the arena. So it's 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 crazy, and I just think um, I just think they they played really well. I think experience. 
I think I said this on Twitter. Uh, Penn State was an experienced football team. They had a lot of guys in their fourth, fifth year, mm-hmm. some of them even being super seniors playing. Ohio State looked like a young team for the first time this season, honestly, since the Oregon game. And I'm not tired. The defense played great. I, I I think they had some errors and some lapses. But overall, when it came down to it, the defense did what they had to do. Uh, the offense made so many little mental mistakes, and it was guys that would surprise you. Garrett Wilson, I think, had two false starts. The offensive line had so many false starts. You said it yourself. Luke Whipler, maybe his worst game. Not maybe. It was. <laughs> It was it, like just straight up. It was the one I I, I am going to disagree with you though. I don't think they played like a young team because a young team would have lost this game. That's they true. They played with some savvy. There were some stupid mistakes and some. I, I get where you get the young team from, but I do just want to give them credit. Like Ohio State would have lost this game three weeks ago. They would have yeah. lost this game six weeks ago. If this game, like like how the, if this game was the Minnesota game in the beginning of the season, they would have lost it. And so that's where I think like. Stroud was a like he was a different player. He was never nervous. Um, so I, I just disagree with that part. Yeah, they didn't play great, but I you don't know, think they played like a young team. I think you could tell they're growing. I think that's what this game yeah. was. I think they grew into themselves a little bit, just being able to, you know, take those mistakes and then come back and answer them. Like Travion Henderson, perfect example. Terrible false start. You know, fourth and one, they're going for it uh, from the goal line. False starts. Ends up being a field goal. Comes back later, has a sixty-eight yard run. And I, I just want to say, like, I want to say two things about that. First of all, for anyone who's never played running back, being in the eye formation is so hard especially in short yardage because you're so tense and you just want to explode immediately. The point of being seven yards back is to explode, but you also have to make up those seven yards. And so a lot of running backs do that. And you could, you could see like how tense he was. And that's not making him like, any excuses. Like when I saw that, I knew exactly what was happening. He was so tense. He was ready. I think he would have scored, but at the same time, just like, the I hate using this word, but the moxie or like the resolve of him as an 18, 19 year old kid and the biggest game of his life uh, as a feature running back for obviously his dream school uh, for him to make that mistake and then bounce back. And like it was his drive. It was I, I think maybe I'm wrong on this, but it felt like it was only three plays. If it wasn't, it was a, a pass that we forgot. 68-yard touchdown, another run that he didn't score, and then the third one he scored, like, immediately after. That's that's big yeah. for an 18-, 19-year-old kid in that moment. Yeah, I think that's kind of how this team was today. You know, you'd see a mistake by a young player. They'd come back and make a big-time play, and that's exactly what you want to see. No, it is. It's beautiful. So, I I mean. Yeah, every time Garrett Wilson made a mistake, guess what he did? He made up for it. And that's what great teams do. Yeah. Um, and and that's the thing. Like like I said, you know, today, it, you know, in this instant recap, 10 minutes after the game, it's hard to feel that way. But, you know, this may be one of those games where it's like we look back and say Ohio State reached whatever goal they wanted to this season. And it was because they were able to survive this Penn State game because someone tweeted it. And I told them not to say it because it was just too, you know. It was too like heartbreaking <laughs> or whatever. That's maybe too deep of a word, but like someone's like, this feels like the Oregon game. 
but we lost the Oregon game. Like that's the biggest difference in this team yeah. because there was moments where it felt like the Oregon game where the defense would finally get a stop and then the offense couldn't cash in and you had to rely on the defensive game and they could have easily given up a touchdown like they did against Oregon and they didn't. And that's the, and that's why, again, I disagreed with you saying they played like a young team because We've seen them lose this game this year already. It was Oregon, and they didn't lose it this time. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I think, uh, you know, it's just – I think this is like what you're saying. Like, Penn State, you need to learn how to play close games. Ohio State wasn't going to do that by just blowing out the bad teams on their schedule. So, like, when Ohio State has to play Michigan State at the end of the year, when Ohio State has to play Michigan at the end of the year, uh, they're going to be tough defenses who throw the kitchen sink at Ohio State because their seasons are going to be on the line as well. Uh, if Ohio State does get lucky enough to go to the playoffs, they're fortunate enough to make it that far. This is what uh, playing a team like Georgia is going to be like. It's going to be a struggle to run the ball. It's going to be a struggle to move the ball offensively every time. It's going to be hard to score in the red zone. So it's just another learning experience on the road of a long football season. Yeah, and I said this to you before we started recording, so I wanted to say this again. I didn't think Penn State's defense was that good, and I'm still not sure that they are, but their red zone defense may be the best in the country. Yeah. Um, like they're, oh, I mean, we moved the ball around against them. Stroud had 300 yards. There were some things, you know, and there was there was more yards and touchdowns to be had without some offensive penalties and some BS calls and stuff like that. So the offense worked, but whatever they do in the red zone, man, and, and that's really where it's important for a bend don't break defense. Yeah, the red zone, the red zone is money, and I mean, just put it out there: five, six, six red zone trips because the last one, six red zone trips. One touchdown, four field goals, one turnover on downs. That is that is the perfect, like literally perfect play sheet for a defense. Like maybe you want another take, maybe you want another turnover just so you stop a field goal, or, or you you don't allow that touchdown. But like if you went to any defensive coordinator in the country and said this other team is going to go to the red zone six times, they're going to score once, three, four field goals, and a turnover on downs. He's going to say, "Yep, that's fine." Yeah. We're okay with that. And that's that's like the question we asked, like, can a defense limit Ohio State to less than 35 points? They did do that. But guess what? We always say, like, if you're going to beat Ohio State, you're probably going to have to score at least 35 points. And they failed to do that. So it's that balance. Uh, you know, Ohio State, if they were better in the red zone, this probably could have been a whole different story, a whole different instant recap. But yeah, it's not the way it went out. Yeah, six six uh, red zone trips is not good defense. Yeah, like because because on the flip side, if you tell a defensive store uh, defensive coordinator you're going to let them into the red zone six times, he's not happy. Um, and so I think that's as we actually start to get into some analysis of the game, I think that's somewhere to start. That is a positive. Uh, the offense did not score in the red zone, but before this game, we were the third best offense in college football in the red zone. That should give you confidence that it should be, can be fixed. Where you should have, where it would be a major negative is if we weren't getting into the red zone and if there were four or five punts. Penn State didn't shut us down. And that is the important thing to remember as we start to take little grain of salts into this offense. Um, so let's let's transition a little bit, give a little bit of actual recap. I don't even know if I said this because I always forget. Ohio State wins 33 to 24. Um, 
I always like to try to see how you felt at halftime. So at, at halftime, it was 17-10. Um, you know, Stroud, he, he was 15 of 24, 170 yards, one touchdown. The team as a whole had 12 rushes for 19 yards. The only person that had done anything was Garrett Wilson. Six catches, 69 yards. Sean Clifford, uh, it was almost mirrored stats. Sean Clifford, 17 of 24, 190 yards. Their offense was 17 carries, 19 yards. Uh, and, and Parker Washington had five receptions for 81 yards. If you didn't watch the game, uh, Ohio State had a, a defensive touchdown, a field goal, and an offensive touchdown for 17 points. Penn State scored on the first drive, technically the second drive, but really their first real drive. Uh, and then they just bully the defense right before halftime for a field goal, 17-10. If you remember, uh, how how did you feel at halftime? Yeah, you know, I felt – I wrote this down. I felt like Ohio State probably should have more points on the board. Uh, I felt like they needed to get the run game going, which they for sure did in the second half, being that they ended up totaling, I think, like 180 yards on the day. So it ended up fixing some of those things, but – I was really impressed with the defensive performance after the first drive. I think they did a really good bend, not break kind of style that like Penn State was doing. Uh, The issue I had was it felt like this team at home under the lights for the first time was a little kind of blinded by the moment at first. I think they came out a little antsy, a little rushed. And you can kind of see that on both sides of the ball. There was a lot of energy, but it was not like – productive energy uh they were kind of all over the place you could see stroud rushing some throws you could see the receivers with a couple drops you could see the linebackers kind of getting out of position you could just see little mistakes that came from just kind of being a little anxious and once they kind of settled in you could kind of see i I wasn't stressed because i knew they were going to settle in and they did settle in but they just kind of couldn't convert in the red zone they couldn't really you know, make those money plays that like kind of win you games. And that's kind of what I wanted to see more in the second half. Yeah, for me, I felt I already said this once, but I felt relieved that we were up. Yeah. You know, like it was one of those. And so the fact that we were up at halftime, I knew we were going to win the game because we shouldn't have been up at halftime. Yeah. Um, and for us to be up at halftime and to get that amazing defensive uh, touchdown, I mean, up until that last field goal, Penn State outscored us on offense. Yeah, and it was crazy because that Jaron Cage touchdown was honestly the real difference of the football game. Yeah, I mean, we, we won by nine. So, you know, if everything stays the same without that touchdown, we win by two, but that's not a, that's that's not not a comfortable. Given. And maybe and maybe in some of those situations, because the game is close, you don't kick the field goal or are they get more aggressive because the game's a little bit closer and they don't need two scores to win. Like, yeah. you know, anything can happen. That was legitimately the difference in the game. Um, so, you know, I felt confident that we were going to win because we were up at half and we shouldn't have been. And, and we say this all the time with college football. When you're the better team and you're the more talented team, the other team has to be perfect. Uh, and if Penn State was perfect, they would have been up at half, uh, allowing that defensive touchdown, allowing some of the things that happened when they were genuinely just playing better than us. That kind of I won't say spelled doom because they still had a chance to win in the second half. But it kind of felt like if they couldn't do it in the first half, what makes you think they're going to do it in the second half? Like what makes you think they're going to be able to get over that hump? Because really, they should have been up on us. Yeah. And when you talk about that hump, it's like 
Sean Clifford needed to come up with some bigger throws, and there were some big throws he missed. Uh, they needed to establish a run game. Guess what they didn't end up doing? Uh, they didn't end up establishing the run game. So uh, they, they picked us apart a little bit with the RPO game, and that was kind of expected because I think Ohio State was kind of selling out to stopping what was going on in the backfield and then like playing a chance game with the RPOs. And then a lot of the time, Sean Clifford would get some pressure in his face and miss those. Yeah, which is why it was super frustrating at like some pivotal moment, moments in the game. We rushed for contain. Yeah. And um, if anyone who's listening doesn't really know what that means, if it, if you rushing for contain is where you don't make a second move. It's essentially everyone power rushes and they the outside the ends rush with their outside arm free and the inside guys don't make a move they just push the pocket back and they really try to create like a u-shape in the pocket so he can't get outside but they don't make a move to actually get a sack the thing is i say this all the time sean clifford's not a good quarterback but he's like a freaking four-year starter dude's like our age he's like 26 if you give him a pocket he's gonna make the play like he's not a bad quarterback he's just not a great quarterback he is significantly above average. Um, the, the thing that stops him from being special is being able to make plays under pressure. Uh, he loses his confidence a little bit. He he airmails some balls, a little bit of accuracy, some little things like that. But he is still a Division One, Big Ten. You know, he's played in big games. Best, like, you know, he, he's not gonna. You know, so he's he's not just gonna give it away. And so. Um, and he's tough. He's playing injured. We got to give him credit for that. So when, when we rushed for contain, he just sat there and, and just lit us up. And we and I can't believe they did that because we saw that against Iowa. Before he got injured, he was lighting Iowa up because they weren't getting no pressure. And, and it was weird because when we pressured him, we saw that it was working. And then in some like big moments, some big third downs, especially in the first half, they were just like, We'll send three. We'll send four, yeah. which is like an interesting wrinkle because there was at certain points where we rushed three and dropped eight, which we've never done before. Like the defensive coaches were really thinking, but it's just like Sean Clifford is good enough that you can't just not get pressure on him. And it's crazy. Whenever Ohio State brought five, they got pressure. Every single time. It was the end. Or they got held. Yeah. And just, it never got called. Yeah. And Kirk Herbstreit pointed it out like three or four times. Uh, but. Tyreek Smith and Zach Harrison were rushing with their hair on fire. Like, this was one of their best performances from a pressure rate standpoint, I think. And whenever they got one-on-one matchups, they were winning those matchups and forcing Sean Clifford to either escape the pocket or he was getting sacked. Yeah. Um, I mean, Tyreek Smith, we, we talk about it all the time. He's literally the best at getting pressure and not getting home. And he finally gets home. Yeah. And it's, and it's the fumble. It's the biggest play of the game. And that that was Tyreek Smith. Like He was a difference maker tonight. And so was Zach Harrison. And so were the uh, Javante Jean-Baptiste made some plays. Uh, JTT I mean, made some plays. Jack Sawyer was there. Made some, John Cage, Cage is an animal. Big, yeah, he made some big plays. Pascal Garrett and, was and, in everyone's face. Yeah, and and forget the touchdown, right? I mean, you can't forget it. That was the biggest play of the game. But like, even without the touchdown, Cage was he was balling. Like yeah. he was bullying them up front. Was, he's he's the reason they couldn't run the ball. Like, how many times was it him or Haskell Garrett stopping yeah. the run? Those three. Uh, 
and McKenzie was good as well. And those three guys kind of just anchored in the run game and then made a few plays in the passing game that were just pivotal. Great with their hands. Yeah. They they had a few deflections as well. Yeah, they, I mean, but and we saw it when they got pressure and they didn't rush for contain. And that's the thing. It's like. You don't even have to blitz all the time. Just don't rush for contain. Yeah. When they didn't, when they didn't rush for contain, and they got in, into Clifford's face, that's when he made those plays. I mean, uh, wasn't it? Was it Tyreek Smith or Jack, Zach Harrison that forced the interception? It was Smith, right? Yeah, it was Smith. Yeah, yeah. Got so, in his face. I, he had to throw yeah, it off his back feet. foot, and Sean Clifford does not have that arm strength to do that. No. Nah, Tyreek Smith played the game of his life. Yeah, best game he's had. Well, uh, I think I think he was probably battling more of an injury than they let on early, and that's probably why he missed like an actual significant amount of time. But this was his best game yeah. since Clemson. This and in my opinion, this was a better game than Clemson because he. I mean, Clemson's bigger, sure, but he made a, like yeah. he single handedly is the reason for two, the the only two takeaways we had. He forced the first one, physically forced it, where he's going to get credit for the fumble, and then he forced the second one with his pressure, um, and the other plays that he made. Yeah, and he he was just all over the field, so I, I think he's he he deserves a lot of credit. Yeah, that that is that is for sure, and really, um, the whole defense, the whole defense um, deserves a lot of credit. I, I really want to you know talk about them because even I tweeted it. I was like, man, like this defense is playing great, but I just don't feel comfortable and confident that they're they're not going to give it up. You know, like when they get that stop and. We we don't we we get bailed out on a holding, yeah. which I don't know why that wasn't the first down, but we get bailed out and then we don't score even after getting bailed out and we kick it and it's just like, I, how do how do I know they're not going to give up seven this next drive? Yeah, and I think that's exactly when I tweeted it. It just wasn't confident because it's like Oregon. They played decent at moments. They had a couple of times, but when you really needed them to get a stop, they didn't. And this time they did. Every single time you needed them, they really picked up the offense. It was one of those times. It was one of those things where you're just like the offense just needs to have one dagger. They just need to score one more touchdown, and this game is cooked. And they just couldn't do it, and that's why, like you're like the defense is playing so awesome. Like let's live this performance up. Let's give them some help, offense. Let's give them one touchdown, and they just weren't able to. So it just is like. When your defense is playing great so consistently, forcing turnovers, getting those sacks on third down, you know, they gave up 24 points. But, like, I think Penn State had to have one of their best offensive game plans coming into this and anybody. And uh, it sucks because the defense in, in key moments was playing their best football. And that's something we didn't see early in the year. It's something we haven't needed to see the last four weeks. So, we just needed the offense to pick them up one time, and they just couldn't. And that field goal was huge, and we almost missed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and for anyone, because, you know, I let my eyes, you know, tell me who played good. But I, there also you should have some stats to kind of back it up. So for anyone who's listening to us and was like, the defense gave up 24 points, they didn't play well. Yes, they did. Listen to this. Um, as a team, Penn State, 20 carries for 33 yards. There was absolutely no running game. Absolutely no running game. Um, they had four sacks, eight tackles for a loss, an interception, a forced fumble, and that fumble was returned for a touchdown. Uh, their worst drive that they gave up was the – I mean, it was 
the first drive of the game, yeah. really the first drive. No, they had two fumbles. I'm yeah, two. They had that one on the very first yeah. drive. Yeah, they had two fumbles. One fumble was returned for a touchdown. Three turnovers. They won the turnover margin, uh, three to one, I believe. We only had one turnover, right? Uh, yep. Yep. Turnover margin, three to one. Um, and their worst drive was the technically the second, but really the first. And that's when everything's scripted. And for some reason, Ohio State just loves giving up points on the first drive. Um, they made plays when you really needed them to. And another one of the touchdown drives was benefited when Ohio State's best linebacker was called for targeting and the refs gave Penn State 30 free yards. Yeah. Maybe it was 45 three yards. I don't remember how many penalties yeah, were on that targeting, drive. targeting and then the roughing the the phantom roughing the passer call, honestly, on Sean Clifford. Yeah. And maybe there was an offside and something else. Like that was that was yeah. uh, uh, like at minimum 30, but could have been 40 plus yards on penalties. So it's like you can't look at the points. You really have to watch the game. And if you watch the game, the defense played good. Yeah. And this is, like you said, this is the best offensive performance I've seen from Penn State in, like, right. who knows how long. Yeah, you're right. And I think if you wanted to nitpick the defense and be like, what's the one bad thing they did? It was the same thing that's been hurting us all year, those intermediate 15 to 20-yard passes across the middle. And it- but every single time – like I would love to look at the I would love to like count him. I'm not going to because it's a lot of work. But I would bet I would literally bet you that those all came on contained rushes yeah. because I was watching the game. And those it, all came the more on contained rushes. Them, the more time they're gonna be able to sit and sink and find a spot in the in the zone. Because you, you literally just can't hold that long. You can't. You give a quarter. You give a good quarterback more than four seconds in the pocket. They're finding an open receiver, and some of them they had like eight. Like there was one. There was one where literally I I actually call this play in Madden, and you either get the first down or you get sacked every single time. You literally you come out with two tight ends. You run a crossing route, and then one of the tight ends runs like a like twelve yards down the field, and literally just stops in the middle of the field. But it takes so long to develop. Yeah, and Penn State picked up on it because he had like eight seconds back there. And I literally was watching, like, I call that in Madden all the time. But it's like, you literally, because, like, you need both crossing routes to clear. Otherwise, the middle of the field doesn't open. So the 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 tight end who runs it typically, like, fake blocks. Then he has to get the 12 yards. He has to turn around, and both of the crossing routes have to clear the middle so it just opens up. And there's, like, a really small window. But you can literally only run that play. If you have like six seconds in the pocket and Sean Clifford had it, no pressure and just boom, just hit it like because they contain rush. It, it's just one of those things where like, yeah, you got to mix up the coverages. But I, if we're giving up one thing throughout the entire game, like that's actually not that bad because if they really are that worried about it, because it wasn't like they were giving up touchdowns. It wasn't like they weren't able to get off the field. And they would change some stuff up on series, so we'd get pressure. The defensive line would get in passing lanes in the middle when those sort of scenarios would come up, and they'd make the throws tougher. So I, that's like a nitpicky problem. And Sean Clifford was not going to play bad in this game. Mm-mm. He was, It just wasn't going to happen. Again, this is he's, – he's 30, so this is his – actually, this like is technically – seventh try against Ohio State, I think, so. Yeah, you want, you want to know what's crazy? I was I was either listening to – I was actually listening to the podcast on The Athletic um, 
before this game, Sean Clifford technically can come back next year. Yeah. I don't know how, but like, holy crap, he can come back next year. So, um, which I don't think they're going to want that. They're going to want Drew Aller to start if he's, if he, you know, actually commits and doesn't go to the Buckeyes. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Like, he's a tough, he's a tough quarterback. He's from Ohio. Uh, and at, we've seen this with Michigan State. You wanted this game every bad. player. Every player from Ohio wants to be at Ohio State, especially the ones, which is funny, especially the ones who aren't good enough to go to Ohio State, but like feel slighted for some reason. Like Sean Clifford was never getting an Ohio State offer, but he feels slighted. And he went to Penn State and he's going to give his all against Ohio State every single time. And in the first half, me and you laughed about it because we were like, how can you be injured, get beat up, do nine overtimes, and then say you're going to be 100% healthy? And in the first half, I was like, is he 100% healthy? Yeah. Because he really looks like it. Yeah, I mean, he might have taken a bunch of ibuprofen before the game. That's an old trick. But, uh, yeah, it's crazy. And I think this, uh, you know, Sean Clifford might not be the best quarterback. I don't think anyone's going to be, like, arguing that. But he is experienced. He's gritty. Uh, you know, all those words old people love to use about four-year starters at quarterback. You know, he's kind of their JT Barrett in a lot of ways. Uh, that, that's actually a really good reference. And That's actually a really good comparison. He, he's limited, and I, I need to talk a little trash here because this is this is my favorite part of the game is when, you know, Denzel Burke got called with that really soft holding call on that, like, five-yard out. And Sean that Clifford, was so soft. Sean Clifford missed the throw by, like, 15 yards. And then he pointed, like, that's first down, that's holding. And he's like, that's right, in your face. And then, like, two or three plays later on third down, he got, like, a JTT, like, big guy sandwich on him. And I was like, that's the football gods being like, you can't talk trash when you miss a throw by that much. Literally. <laughs> like, if it, if that was a pass interference, a good ref's not calling it because they're going to say that the pass isn't, isn't catchable. But on a holding, you can call holding on no matter what. Yeah. Even though that literally wasn't holding. And, like, And the guy was, like, shoving off. So it's like, what do you expect? He's got his hand on him once he gets shoved. Like, yeah. Like, he's going to be grabbing. Yeah, that was, that was trash. So I think, you know, oddly – We've been pretty positive, but I think there's some things that we genuinely have to talk about. So we're going to take a a quick break for our sponsors, and then we're going to come back and talk about some of the negatives some stuff that we hopefully never want to see again and and, and just kind of hope that uh, this was the Penn State game. So we'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, welcome back, Buckeye Nation. This is your host, Jordan Williams. And as always, and still, I'm with my co-host, Christopher Rennie. So 30 minutes into the podcast, we have been uh, oddly positive for a game that shouldn't have as many positives. So let's talk about some of the bad. Let's talk about some of the things that... And we kind of touched on it. I want to start with the O-line. Um, I have a couple of questions. And obviously, this is opinion based. We're not in the meeting room. We're not in the coaching staff. We don't know what happened. Uh, 
the first question that I have starts with Luke Whipley. Um, it is almost impossible for you to get a false start or a snap infraction was what they call it on the center because the center has the ball. If I counted correctly, I know for a fact it was two, but possibly it was three and they came in like back to back drives. Luke Whipler's not a young player and he's been playing for a while. I mean, I guess he kind of is young, but he's been playing for a while. Like what, like what is going on? Do you think like, I, I guess it's like, what do you think happened with Luke Whipler? Yeah, I was going to ask you, honestly, like, was the false starts on C.J. Stroud? Was it on kind of like, you know, we were looking at the tackle to kind of do a silent cadence at times? Uh, I just don't know where the snap – because, like, with the claps and stuff, I don't know how it's communicated when to snap the ball. So if never, not everyone's on the same page, it's going to go bad. And I think you saw it late in the game – went there Munford had his false start and I I was like that's like the 463rd false start on Ohio State in this game Uh, they like he was yelling like we just got to snap the ball we just have to snap the ball and I think when you really look at it like it's it's a three person thing the quarterback in the center the center in the O-line and then obviously Stroud making checks with the O-line and then once that's all done you make the snap but it felt like whether it was the center out of sync, the guards out of sync, it just never felt like anyone was on the same page snapping the football, and that's could never be the case. Yeah, and, and because of that, I think it's on the center. Um, because, like, so, I mean, in general, when you know the snap count, you can kind of get a little bit of a head start if you move kind of in the same motion of the center, but the center can't be slow snapping the ball. And that's what happened. Like on the one, on the one, they could have called it on, they called it correctly on the center, but they really could have called it on Dewan Jones. And it's like Paris Johnson didn't move because like he knew the snap, but I think he saw the ball didn't move and he didn't move. But like Dewan Jones is trying to make the play. He knows the snap count. He heard the, the snap. He heard the clap and was getting ready to move. And Luke Whipler just didn't. Actually, that's what it was. It was two penalties, and then the one where he just didn't snap the ball, and they called a penalty, and it should have been a. They it was a fumble, but they called a penalty. Um, So it's like it was genuinely on him. It was genuinely on him. They weren't false starts. He just didn't snap the ball, and it's like I don't know. Maybe the scarlet out was was too good, and they didn't know that they're supposed to be quiet on the offensive snaps or something. But it just seemed like he was mentally checked out. I don't know if. He was nervous, and I hope he's not nervous yeah. because Penn State's defensive line was decent. But if we get to the playoffs, you're gonna have like Jordan Davis in front of you. Yeah, and it's crazy. You know, Indiana's a team that brings a lot of disguised pressure too. So, and when they were in pass protection, there was never these issues. It was always when they were counting in the run game that these issues would come up, and that's why it's it's kind of interesting because. The O-line was two different stories. They didn't give up a sack tonight. They were almost perfect in pass protection. But in the run game, they struggled to pick up one yard multiple times. Like, I, more than I can count. <laughs> and like, it all starts with snapping the football. Like, if you're an offensive lineman and you can't feel ready to go and you have to take that, like, even if it's like a tenth of a second hesitation, that's a huge difference because – you play defense. I don't know if you play defensive line or anything, but once that ball moves, the entire defensive line's moving, especially yeah. a well-coached one. 
I mean, 100%. I, I didn't play defensive line, but I played uh, essentially a 3-4 linebacker, so I was on the line of scrimmage. And I was counting the snap. I, I learned the snap count as soon as it moved. I was ready to go. Um, and so it, it's just – I don't know, man. It's like you hope it's just a bad game, but it's, it's like – you really want to find the reason because if it's the person that's across from him, they're not Jordan Davis. No. That gives me no hope that we have a chance against him. If he's getting nervous or scared or, or, or you know, out of sync because of a Penn State's defensive front. And that's no, sh- that's no shade to them, but they lost. I can't think of his name, but they lost their, their best defensive Linemen to entry before this game, yeah. And they say have some good, some good guys. They have the guy, I, I can't say his name, um, but the the transfer, the, his name starts with the, his last name starts with the E. I know that the transfer mm-hmm. that they have on the defense, like they have some players. But again, you know, I say this all the time: you judge people based on their goals, not where they're currently at. And Ohio State's goals is a national championship, and to do that, they're going to have to face Georgia. Yeah, and that's what worries me. It, it's one of those things because Ohio State does the hard claps, the hard counts all the time. Like, that is not new for them. And then they do shifts and they do stuff after that. So, I, it's one of those things. I think it was just a one-off like kind of independent thing. And I think moving forward uh, it's either got to get fixed or you know, it might have to... I'm not going to say we need to look in a different direction because Luke Whippler's been awesome, but, like, maybe change some things up to simplify the communication. Hey, all I know is... um, Oh, wow, of course, I just lost his name as soon as I wanted to say Harry Miller. All I know is if Harry Miller wasn't injured, he would have been playing. (laughs) Luke Luke Whippler may have lost the job that day. Yeah. Um, So... But, yeah, I I just think it's one of those things. uh, It all comes back to just the weeks of practice, and they'll get that. I think that's something that's going to be a major point of focus for Ryan Day this week, on top of them doing a lot of uh, mental strengthening uh, when it comes to that stuff with some uh, extra conditioning. Yeah, so (laughs) uh, my second question on the offensive line. Do you think – do you think this was a bad game or do you think this gave people the uh, recipe or whatever they like to say of how to affect Ohio State's offensive line? Because we've talked about it before. There are some issues with the all guard lineup and one of the, the all tackle lineup. And one of the biggest issues is there's a reason that guards are shorter than yeah. tackles. And, it really shows in the run game when you may have a six foot, three hundred five pound defensive end, like defensive tackle. Your defensive end, they're six three, six four, six five. Your D tackles, if he's really good, could be anywhere from five eleven to six two. And if you're six seven, six six, you are not going to get under him. And that really, really shows in the run game. And so, um, so the question again is: This just a one off, or or do you think that they kind of showed the, the blueprint? That's the word I'm looking for. Do you think they kind of showed a blueprint of how to affect this all tackle lineup and to allow them to not be able to run the ball, especially in short yardage? Yeah, I, I think it's a one off. Honestly, I, I think Penn State did what they did best. You know, they played their gap scheme and. You know, their linebackers filled really well. And it looked very similar to what Oregon was able to do to our offensive line in key short yardage situations. So it's something they've got to clean up for sure. But it's 
one thing to say that it was just a bad game, honestly. I, I think the offensive line is going to recover from that. And I do believe that it's tough because I think Paris Johnson's like a 6'5 tackle, but uh, Aaron Munford's like 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, so he's, he's a height guy. So that is tough when you're playing – Oh, especially because Penn State uses quicker guys sometimes. They don't always have a big, beefy dude on the inside. Yeah, Paris Johnson's 6'6". Yeah, so also a tall guy. Uh, It's just one of those things. I don't think it's a long-term issue, but I do think there is stuff when you have the personnel, which not everyone's going to have the personnel to take advantage of that type of defensive scheme. Uh, It's definitely something that, they're going to go into the film room and really need to fix. But once we, once again, like they did fix a lot of that stuff in the second half. Yeah, I agree. I do think one thing, and this kind of bleeds right into our next thing is Ryan day. He sometimes lacks creativity in the run game because he's a passing guy. And it, it just felt like he didn't, try any new things like you'd mentioned it i think before we started recording so it's good to mention it now he tried the inside zone that didn't work he tried the outside zone that didn't work but i don't remember too many gap plays and and, and especially um well again i guess i should state this if you don't know what a gap run is um Gap runs are like your dives, your powers, things like that. They're where the run is dictated to go to a gap. It's supposed to go A gap, B gap, C gap versus a zone play where the offensive line all takes the same exact steps and the running back just finds a hole. Gap plays, it's designed to go to a certain place and they block it a certain way because that's where they want the running back to go. So again, your powers, your counters, your dives, ISOs, that kind of stuff. Um, I feel like they didn't run too many gap plays. No. I didn't see I didn't see power at all. I didn't see any counter. And especially with how aggressive their defense was, especially power and counter because those are outside gap plays off tackle. I think we would have had a lot better um I think we would have had a lot better chance with those. And so it's just kind of like that goes into the other thing I want to talk about as we kind of talk about some of those negatives. It's just a lack of aggression by Ryan Day. And honestly, outside of some of the passing plays, just like an entire lack of creativity. Like the biggest, the most creative thing I remember, well, there's two things. First of all, getting to the eye formation, that was beautiful. Loved every second of it. And the second one, it wasn't the eye formation, but it was the under center play action where literally like, all 11 guys played the run because that's what they thought was going to happen. And Stroud just boots and throws a perfect pass. And like, I don't remember if they picked up 10, 15, whatever it was, but it's like, where's more of that? Literally they're keying on the run. So crazy. And you're not running play action. There's no way they can throw RPOs. There's no way they can defend both. And they're literally sending eight, nine guys at every time against the run. And we finally saw it and it worked. And it was like, more of that would be nice. Some some more creativity in the run game. And, and you know, Buckeye Twitter was talking about it. It was like, is this Urban Day? Is this yeah. Ryan Meyer? Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, literally, it felt like when Urban Meyer would keep running that uh, QB bash play to the right with JT Barrett oh, into God. the ground, and it just wouldn't work. But I think once Ohio State went to the I formation, I'm going to have to look at this uh, once I do my film review because I want to kind of look at that difference there. But 
they, it looked like they started doing a few gap schemes once they got into that I formation and it opened up a bit because I, I, you know, that is literally just counting guys and going after them to open up a hole. Yeah. And that worked when, because Ohio state's bigger than most people they play and they are significantly yeah. bigger than Penn state's D line. Cause they like to play a little bit smaller and quicker. This, the Tra- the Travion Henderson sixty eight yard touchdown may have been a gap play. Now that I'm thinking yeah. about it, it may have been it may have actually been power, or I think it may have been power. And it's like I'll you, have to go back and look at that. It's like you said, like a few weeks ago, we were seeing touchdown passes to Mitch Rossi, and then we'd see four of the same exact play from the one yard line, and it wouldn't work. So it's like then you go and you throw a goal line fade, never had a chance. Uh, Refs aren't calling that that much anymore. Those pass interferences are holdings. And, uh, you know, if you don't put the ball on their body, like Garrett Wilson had no chance there. That ball was five yards high. It's just not a good play call. Yeah, like the um, – I feel like I keep, like, teaching concepts on this one, but I want to talk about specific things. Like, we could have literally copied the one play that Penn State scored a touchdown on where you fake the split zone. Again, if you don't know what that, we already talked about zone blocking, but the split zone is when you send a tight end opposite and it kind of creates a, a, a backside cutting lane yeah. where they where they fake that, rolled out, and then the, the tight end just like settled and just like a spot and then backed into the end zone. Why didn't we run that? Yeah. That was similar. It was, I mean, it was a little bit different, but it was similar to the Miss Rossi play. We didn't do that. I mean, honestly... We could have did under center play action again for a couple of those short yardage. It's just like it, it felt like they really, and the offense were kind of getting like a pissing contest about physicality, and like sometimes you, you just don't need to do that. Like we were throwing the yeah. ball all over them; they were selling out to stop the inside run. You know, play action bootleg, get a nice easy throw to Jeremy Rudkert, Cade Stover, Mitch Rossi. You know how we saw Mitch Rossi like three times, and every single time it gained yards. Yeah, honestly, I like that you said that, like the pissing contest about physicality, because that is going to that would have been my biggest flaw if I would have continued in coaching, because I have the mentality that my players should be able to go out to them and tell them, hey, we're running power on two and they should be good enough to run power on two, even though they just told the defense. And that's literally I just feel like Ryan Day is like, we're freaking Ohio State, bro. Like we can get a yard. We should should get a yard. yeah, you should get a yard, but you're not. So do something else. Yeah, and it it's one of those things, like, you're also predictable about it. So that's the second issue. Like, second and ten, guess what they did? Almost every second and ten they had, they ran the ball. Now the defense is starting to key in on the run. So it's just – it went back to – and I don't know. It's kind of been the case in a few big – in the few big games this year. Like, like – he just kind of gets repetitive. Yeah, I think like he's not a, um, and and this is not a, a bad Ryan Day thing because literally every coach does this. Yeah, I, it's, I, it's, it's a head Nick, coach issue, honestly. Yeah, I've seen Nick Saban do this. They get conservative in big games because instead of trying to win, they're scared to lose. And it's and that can lose you a game. And that's like the thing, like I want to go back because like we've seen some epic performances for Brian Day as a coach. Go back to Clemson. He was not scared to lose. He was playing to win that game. And when yep. Coach Day coaches to win football games, uh it's always bad for the other yeah. team. Like Michigan when they beat him 62 to 39, he was coaching to dominate that game. Yep. Every year, 
Uh, He gets up for that. I think we're going to have to see that against Michigan State because Michigan State's got the business to make this game interesting. Uh, I think you need to see this Ryan Day. You need to see the Ryan Day that's willing to put up 63 points. Yeah, and and as we start to wrap up, I think that's a great point because I want to touch on that earlier. When we look at Michigan State and Michigan, Michigan State still scares me the most because Michigan State best players on their defensive line and defensive tackles. Yeah. And they're another team who can really mess with this all-tackle lineup where Michigan, Michigan – has the better defensive line. And if you watch the Michigan State game, Jesus Christ, uh, Aiden Hutchinson, and I really wish I could say – I really wish I knew his name right now because he deserves credit. Um, Yeah, the guy opposite of him had a day. Yeah, like he had a day. Uh, Like that would really concern you, but it's like they're defensive ends. And until a defensive end has a good day against us, I'm not going to be concerned. Yeah. Because Dewan Jones and uh, uh, Nicholas Petit Freer are – Although Nicholas Petitfrier, I think, gave up his first career sack today. Actually, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It was just a uh, he Stroud didn't get sacked at all. He almost gave up his first career sack, and then Stroud got rid of the ball. Yeah. Um. So worried about both, especially if the offensive line doesn't play well. But Michigan State scares me a little bit more because their strength is defensive tackles, and that is where, again, exactly with Penn State, that's where you mess with that all tackle lineup. So as as we start to to wrap up again. A lot of positive, a lot of negative, but at the end of the day, Ohio State won a dogfight, and that's all that matters. The, their path to the Big Ten Championship, the playoff, is all in front of them. Uh, we get our playoff rankings, the first playoff rankings, uh, on Tuesday, which is going to be very interesting to see where Ohio State is, especially in relation to Michigan State, because Michigan State just got a top 10 win, and in relation to Cincinnati and Oregon. So don't be surprised if Ohio State's at like seven or eight, but also don't be surprised if they're at like two or three. We don't know. But uh, let's just let's wrap this up with some some favorite moments, players of the game, that kind of stuff. So aside from the the Smith sack to the Cades fumble return, because let's be honest, that was the best play of the game and possibly the best play of the season. Haskell Garrett has a touchdown, but he was already in the end zone that 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 man put on the burners. He did five one forty according to the broadcast. <laughs> so, so that is clearly the moment of the game and the moment of the season. And from here uh, on out, you- from here on out, they need to do the combine forties with a twenty yard running start for defensive line, oh, yeah. defensive tackle specifically. Yeah. Everyone else can do a regular forty. So let's get these times yeah. shaved down a little bit. He got in the if, if that if they did that he would have gotten to the fours for sure four four eight four eight nine maybe you know four nine one he he would he would have been there yeah that play was electric um, I think my favorite play is just uh, that Stroud touchdown to Olave where they ran the, the ghost fake and then he continued to drop back and then the end was coming free and Munford was pulling across Stroud like kind of does like a hesitation step outside to freeze the guy gives Munford enough time to come kick him out and then freaking just climbs the pocket throws it off platform he doesn't get his feet set and just delivers this beautiful strike man I'm like replicating it like on the camera you guys can't see it Jordan can yeah. <laughs> but it was just it was one of those plays like Olave was wide open so all they had to do was make that happen in the backfield but it was such good football between those two that it just I it's my favorite play it's I think Stroud's best pocket play and 
probably the best play inside the actual pocket from a quarterback I think I've seen since Ryan Day's been there. And honestly, probably yeah. since, like, Craig Prince a holy Buckeye. Honestly, because it's like, if you overdo that, that's a sack. Like, you lit- and, and he had his back turned to the defense, so he had to, he had to flip his eyes, stop on a dime, uh, allow the fake to get, you know, to have him come up field a little bit more to let Thayer Mumford climb the pocket. And then, like, you know, I didn't play, I played wide receiver my freshman year. I was terrible. But as a wide receiver, you don't want to extend your arm too much. You don't want the ball too close to your body. It can hit off your helmet, your shoulder pads. You don't want to outstretch. It can go through your fingertips. Literally, like, Alave's arms were, like, the perfect, like, L shape yeah. just right there, right in the freaking basket. He didn't have to do anything, but just, just he could have catched the ball. Literally, he could have caught that with his eyes closed. It was just right in the freaking basket. Um, that's NFL pocket movement. It was, it it really was great. Was. He climbed the pocket, delivered that. That was a great one. Mine, uh, I'm pandering to my second favorite position on the field. Mine was Travion Henderson's 68 yard touchdown run. We already talked about it, but not only was it a good run, but it was this. It was a circumstance. Fourth and one, a tough game. You fall start, and then your very next carry, you take it 68 yards, almost get to the house. Two plays later, you score. Uh, the run was great. The movement was good. The way he set it up, the burst, all of that was good. But really just like the resilience to do that after you made a play that. I mean, honestly, with uh, the defense, again, shout out to the defense. But that's a play that uh, three, four weeks ago, that happens. The defense comes out in a sudden change situation. And Penn State drives 83 yards for a touchdown. Yeah. And now we're down four. So, you know, for him to do that for the, the, the actual play and just the moment of the game and what that what that means for a, a true freshman, again, an 18, 19 year old kid. That was my my favorite moment. Yeah, I think you're right. I think what you said earlier about it just kind of just showing his resolve uh, for these things. And the team needed a huge moment there. You know, like they yeah. needed a big play. And. Travion took it and put it on his shoulders, and it was absolutely just an insane play. And then uh, if I could add one more favorite moment, it was Tyreek Smith hitting Sean Clifford, getting in his face, and Cam Brown make the interception. I just yeah. think seeing this pass rush come alive as much as it has the last couple of weeks and now having Tyreek Smith healthy with, like, two secret weapons with Jack Sawyer and JT Tuamaleu coming off the bench in pass rush situations, that's scary. Like, that should be huge like, for the rest of the season. Yeah, for sure. And this is like we talked about it. It was either at the bye week or something else. You talked about like being excited for the pass rush. And I was like, I just can't let myself be excited for the pass rush. I'm excited about everything else for the defense, but I can't. I'm I'm just waiting for the pass rush to let me down. I can't be excited about it. And they haven't let me down yet. And so I still, you know, reserve that because, I mean, that the way they started is scary. But like, yeah. Yeah. Um, but they, they, I mean, they just came alive. It's, it's just so crazy. Um, and JTT, Jack Sawyer, making some plays. It feels like Jack Sawyer doesn't get home yet, but he gets held almost every time he's out there. JTT finally getting some sacks. Like, it, it's great. So uh, as my com- computer gives me the uh, 
the battery saving mode for to get behind the curtain a little bit. I am in the the worst state in America, Michigan, and I left my computer charger at home. So I mean, it was beautiful to be in Michigan with Michigan losing. Like, come on now, but I left my computer. <laughs> I left my computer charger at home. So me and Chris have been. Uh, this has been the battle of uh, can we get this done before my computer dies, and, and we're cutting it close. So players player of the game for me was just the whole defense. I couldn't pick a player. Maybe I could have said Jerron Cage really could have said Tyreek Smith because we already talked about he was the the key factor for both of those interceptions but I just think it was the whole defense they just didn't let us down they didn't uh, at, at every key moment and if I was given game balls I would give it out to every single one of them yeah they made a bunch of big plays I, I think you're right I think you know you can look at the yardage total but when you really look at great defenses in 2021 in modern college football it's about those defenses that can come up with the huge stops and the huge plays when you need them and we hadn't seen that we haven't seen them have to do that and they did it and it was unbelievable yeah and and the last thing about that is Penn State you know you could say has a better defense statistically they're significantly better but the biggest difference between our defenses and theirs is their defense held us to field goals our defense forced turnovers yep that was the game yeah, I'd say uh, field goals are still points. Turnovers are not. Yeah, I'd say it was like collectively their best performance of the year so far. Uh, oh, easily. And then if I had to give a player out of the game out, it would be to Noah Ruggles, uh, twelve points. <laughs> I mean, came yeah. up absolutely huge in the red zone, hit the field goal that iced the game, honestly, and it just was. You know, you never want to rely on a college kicker to win a game. But when they come up big every single chance they have, it, it gives you a little confidence. Yep. And especially because our kicker last year, and I just can't think of his name right now, but our kicker last year would have missed one of those. Yeah, Blake Hobby battling injuries this whole final year. That sucks for him. That's uh, That really sucked because he was he was pretty solid um, before, before that, that. Yeah. It's tough to kick when it hurts. But yeah, Ruggles, Ruggles, my man. I'm giving you the glory today. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that one. And then injuries, suspensions. There was no injuries that I can think of that I remember. Uh, Steel Chambers, it's not exactly a suspension, but he's going to be out the first half. Yeah, it sucks. Um, it, was, a, it was not great. No, yeah, and he's definitely our best linebacker. So uh, he's going to be out the first half of the Nebraska game, which brings us to our what's next. We do play Nebraska next week. For some odd reason, that game hasn't been decided as the time. So that could be another night game. I'm wagering uh, guess three thirty p.m. That's my guess. Yeah, like I don't, I don't know what they're waiting for, but the time hasn't been announced yet. We don't get numbers. Yeah, so uh, we'll figure it out. But you know, hopefully, it's a bounce back game. And as we start to wrap up, the last thing that I have to say is just be mindful what you tweet. Uh, Today, and I stand by it because it's true, but I speak in absolutes sometimes, and uh, I say players are not good. Yeah, we speak in absolutes. We probably speak in absolutes way too much, honestly. Yeah, and and typically when I say people aren't good, I mean they're not at Ohio State's level. And I tweeted today that Mike Weber was not a good running back, and then Mike Weber liked my tweet like two minutes later. And I really just meant that like Mike Weber, because we were talking about JK. Yeah. We We were talking about freshman running back starting early. 
And I'm like, freshman running backs don't typically start early. J.K. started early because Mike Weber was in front of him and he wasn't good. And Travion started because Master Teague is worse. And I, I really meant, like, they're not Ohio. Like, if you look at Mike yeah. Weber, Master Teague, you compare him to J.K., Zeke, Maurice Corrette, all these other guys, they're not that good. But just saying they're not good and that's it, and then Mike Weber, like, likes a tweet, I'm like, damn. He doesn't know what I mean. He just th- he just thinks I think he sucks. Yeah, so watch, be mindful. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna yeah, do that. Damn it. It's like Marcus, <laughs> that's gonna make it's like Marcus Williamson. It's like I probably said like dude can't cover anyone, and then he blocks me, and I'm like I love this guy now. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not gonna DM him. That's gonna make me look soft. I meant what I said. I just should have worded it better. But just yeah, I mean that's you know our job is to drive conversation, and you do that with absolutes. <laughs> yeah, so Mike Weber now thinks I think he sucked. It's like compared to the other running backs, he wasn't good, but obviously he was good enough to be at Ohio State. He had a solid career. Did he have so. any two thousand yard seasons? No. Did he lead us to a national championship? No. But yeah, he, so it's he, like, he had a good record against Michigan, though. So. He's a hero yeah, in my yeah. book. Hey, and, and with that, again, Ohio State survives the dog fight next week. Hopefully, it's a uh, we can breathe a lot easier against Nebraska as we we finish out this tough stretch with Michigan and Michigan State still on the books, and maybe first place Minnesota in a rematch because you know they're leading the Big Ten West. Uh, and with that, have a good night and go Bucks. Go Bucks.